What's up, guys? Brian Ratliff here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Keep the Faith Podcast. Grab your Bibles and let's dig in to the Word of God. Did you hear about those church mice who made their dwelling and residence in the nice, large, black grand piano? There they were. Underneath the hood, if you will. That's probably not the right terminology, but if you will, you understand what I'm saying. There they are. They were kind of born into that setting. And so all they knew was inside this dark, rectangular kind of box. And every now and then, once a, once a week about, they would hear this music. And they would start to go crazy and wander inside the, this piano, trying to figure out what is going on. Where is this sound coming from? And as they began to age and as generations began to pass with that colony inside that piano, someone of the mice family climbed up the wall and discovered there was these wires making the noise. They would vibrate about once a week and give this beautiful noise. And as time would go on, another generation of mice came on the scene and discovered that it wasn't just the wire that was making the noise. There was this hammer hammering against the wire and it was creating the wire to make this noise. And eventually, time would open up the opportunity for the lid to be cracked open in that piano. And a little mouse climbed up through and on Sunday morning looked at the lady playing the keyboard or piano. And no, it was not Sister Tammy, <laughs> to discover that it was the keys, the white and black keys that caused the hammers to be um, engaged in hitting the wires. But it all needed hands to move the pieces to the puzzle. I say that to say this, that throughout the centuries, mankind has been discovering aspects about organs and discovering aspects about how we came into being. But I'm here to tell you something, that if we were to be like those mice in that piano to try to understand how the piano worked without realizing there was somebody outside the piano making it play music, if we try to understand origins without the reality of God, we will mess up and grow mad in our minds. Today, I want you to understand this, that we cannot put God in a box and experiment on him. We cannot put God into a laboratory or in a test tube to try to discover everything about him and what his purposes and will is. And we cannot transport ourselves back into time and watch the created event take place. But what we can do is as the writer of Hebrews says here, understand that origins is not a scientific matter. It is not a matter of biology. It is not a matter of physics. It is not a matter of uh, astrology or chemistry or anything in the branches of science. It is a matter of faith. So whether you're a secularist who does not believe that God created the world or whether you're a Christian like me and you believe that God spoke the world into existence as the writer of Hebrews says here in verse three, we understand origins is a faith matter. 
And so the title of my message today is simply this, The Faith of Creation. You cannot travel back in time to witness the event. You were not there, and we can't observe it, repeat it, test it, or measure it. But what we do have is an eyewitness account of the one who is there, recorded to us in Holy Scripture called the Bible. And so it's interesting that in Hebrews chapter 11, the beginning of this entire hall of faith, which is not an exhaustive list, but it begins with Genesis. And it's interesting, he does mention Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and um, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, all characters mentioned in the book of Genesis. I think it is very important and wise that the writer of Hebrews begins with the very first chapter of Genesis to understand that, hey, before you can live out faith like all these other people that are exemplified in Hebrews chapter 11, you have to first and foremost understand that God created this world by faith. And so if I could summarize the the message today with a statement, it would be this statement. I believe by faith, God spoke the universe into existence. I believe by faith, God spoke the universe into existence. I'm not here today to try to give you a, a, a 20-fold reason from a creation scientific perspective of why I believe in creationism. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to tell you something that I simply believe God created the world by faith. And so should you. But what exactly does this verse in Hebrews chapter 11 teach us about creation, origins, and faith? Well, today I just kind of want to share five thoughts with you about the faith of creation. In fact, as I've been meditating in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, I, I kind of want to take us all the way back to the beginning and walk us through all the way to the ending of the things of this world. Because just as I believe that God created the world by faith, I believe he also sustains the world by faith. And I believe he's also sent his son to be the savior of this world by faith. I also believe that he's going to one day destroy this world by faith. And I believe one day he's going to redeem this world by faith. That is the created chronological order of this earth. And if you don't like that, you've got to take it up with God and not me. So let's look at verse number three of Hebrews chapter 11. The first thought I want to share with you is simply this. I believe by faith, Jesus Christ is the creator of the world. I believe by faith, Jesus Christ is the creator of the world. Notice here, it says through faith. Say faith with me again, just like last week. Faith, one more time, faith. This idea here that we are to live by faith, that is this total reliance and dependence upon God for providing all of our needs. And he provided the greatest need through Christ and the cross. But here we understand that through this idea of faith, that is being totally persuaded and convinced of in our mind of a great reality of a biblical truth that we understand. This means that we have the comprehension in our minds that we've put this example to the test in our minds and it is something that we comprehend to know that the worlds, this word for worlds, yes, I, I believe it gives the idea of the solar system, the galaxies, of the universe, yes, it does. It gives the idea that, that the earth and the planets and the sun and the stars and the moon, all that stuff, God spoke into existence, but it also gives the idea that the moment God spoke it into existence, everything in that moment all the way to the ending is all put into place by the word of God. 
You know, years ago, I didn't put a lot of posters up in my bedroom when I was a teenager. But I came across this one poster of a guy named Jamie Thomas, a professional skateboarder. You probably never heard of him. Uh, but but uh, there was this skateboarding place in California. It was called like the Leap of Faith. Because there was nobody that jumped in this, uh, down this staircase at this school that walked away without a broken bone. And so there Jamie Thomas is there on a skateboard. He, he, he jumps off this um, ledge and, and lands on the ground and breaks his board but rolls away and didn't break a bone. And I had a poster of him doing that and it was called Leap of Faith, reminding me every day I'm supposed to take a leap of faith. But I say that to say this, that just as I put that poster in a frame and put it on the wall in my bedroom, God has framed this world in every single part of it by his very word. It says here, by the very word of God. This is a different word for the word word as found in John 1. And it literally means an utterance. So I know that scientists are kind of like those mice in the piano. They're trying to figure out how we got here without the God factor. And so the, the best estimation is that, bang, everything took place. And it's actually a partial reality. Because there was a moment in time, or actually there was a moment before time ever existed, that God spoke and it was a ginormous bang that caused the universe to roll into motion. And God created everything about this world. He did. In fact, in, in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God created everything. He put it all into place. He is the reason why we're here. The psalmist in Psalm 33 and in Psalm 102 speaks about how he created the world. John chapter 1 reminds us that the instrument in which this triune God created the world, yes, the Father and the Spirit were involved, but it was the Son of God who is actively involved in creation. It says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So the verse goes on to say that so that things which are seen, this word seen, it means things that are clearly visible with the naked eye. So you look out, you see the mountain. You look out, you see the clouds. You look out, you see the rain. You look out, you see the, the leaves and the trees. You look out and you see all these things with the naked eye. They were not made of things which do appear. Going back to the book of Genesis, reminding us here about how God takes nothing and creates everything. The scientific community says nothing created everything. They're just trying to explain this idea without God. But we realize that that energy was not the force in of itself that created the world. It was God speaking everything into existence. God created time. God created space. God created matter. He created it all. Colossians chapter 1 reminds us that Christ is the creator. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, the very first section of this book, he reminds us that, that he made the worlds in verse 2 of chapter 1. So let's just pause and reflect on this. As we reflect on scripture, not the scientific book, not the scientific community, I remind you that theology was the pinnacle of all studies throughout all history until the modern age. And so to, in order to understand science, in order to understand mathematics, in order to understand everything about the world and history, you have to look through the lens of scripture and theology. And so if you do not look through origins, through the lens of the word of God, you will grow mad in your mind. So this eliminates the idea of deism. Deism is the idea that there is a God 
that a higher power that created the world but is not engaged in his creation. This eliminates the idea of agnosticism, the idea that, that the concept of God is unknowable and can't be known. This eliminates the idea of atheism, that is the lack of belief in God. This eliminates the idea of pantheism, that everybody and everything is God. This eliminates the idea of paganism and polytheism of, of many different gods that created the world. It eliminates the idea of reincarnation. It eliminates the idea of evolutionism. I know that might make people mad in our age today, but, but listen, I believe in sola scriptura as the Latin um, says. I believe that scripture alone is my final authority. And if God used, cre uh, used evolution to create the world, he would have said so in his word at some point. And listen, I'm no scholar, I'm no theologian, I'm an aspiring preacher and theologian, but hey, I've read through the Bible a couple times, maybe not as many as you, but I've yet to find the verse where it says God used evolution to create the world. It's not there. I'm sorry, it's not there. And so if God used these different things, he would have spoken in his word. But I'll tell you what God did use. God used his mouth. And everything came. You say, well, that's crazy. It's not as crazy as some people believe. God plus nothing equals everything. That makes sense. Nothing plus nothing cannot equal everything. There has to be some sort of force or being behind this. And scripture reveals that is the God of the Bible. So I believe by faith, Jesus Christ, the creator of the world. It's not blind faith here. It's actually the most logical thing to believe a creator created the world. I mean, let me just say, I have a theory about how this building got here. I, had, I do, I have, I have a good theory for you. Let me run it by you. I have, the, I have this theory that it all began at Lowe's. And, and out of nowhere, these bricks and these blocks and these windows and, and everything just magically, you know, kind of jumped onto the U-Haul. Nobody put it there. It all just jumped on there. And then the, the U-Haul drove itself here. And then the bricks just started magically being put into place. The carpet was laid. The flooring was put in. The walls were built up. The roof was put in. Everything just kind of magically appeared. Now, that sounds rather foolish. But there's a lot of people who believe that's how the world got here. And so I submit to you today that the most logical thing in all of history throughout the last six to 10,000 years, if you will, is to believe that God through his son Jesus, spoke everything into existence. Secondly, today, as we think about this idea of the faith of creation, I believe by faith, not only did Jesus create the world, but I believe by faith Jesus Christ is the sustainer of the world. I believe by faith Jesus Christ is the sustainer of the world. Here, the Bible tells us that, that God did speak the world into existence here in verse 3 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. But if there is a creator that created everything, what it literally means is that he created all the laws of nature. He created all the, he created the genetic code and, and everything to be able to recreate and procreate. And so as we think about all those different things, we know that God created the world in one moment, but then created different areas in which it could reproduce and continue going on and 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 on. And as I was uh, in 11th grade chemistry class, I was reminded 
that the greatest minds and scientific discoveries does not understand what holds the atom together. We don't understand fully what holds the electrons and neutrons and protons together. We don't. They literally call it the force. And so I thought, man, we're living in Star Wars all over again. But I'll tell you the force. It's God who's holding it all together. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17, it's a very pivotal verse that Paul's writing to these believers and he's combating all this doctrinal error with heresy and and all these different things, especially pertaining to origins and creation. And he says that God of Jesus Christ, he not only created everything, but of him all things consist. In other words, God is holding it all together. Now, I I may not be able to fully comprehend that, I may not be able to fully articulate and explain it to you, but what I do know is that by faith, I believe God created the world, and by faith, God created a system to allow it to be held in place by his very word. I want to show you a Bible verse. In fact, fact, it's Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 3. So if you would, just turn back a few pages. And and here, of course, uh, we know that the book of Hebrews is, is written, I think, the Apostle Paul. I might be wrong about that, and we'll find out when we get to glory. But so the writer of Hebrews is writing and introducing this idea that in times past, God spoke through the prophets, but here recently, he's spoken through his son and the son is the one who created the worlds and it says he's the brightness of the glory of God he's the express image of his person and it's check it out now verse number three it says upholding all things by the word of his power that's a powerful God talk about omnipotence and all power I put that poster board up or poster and frame up in my bedroom but my my words weren't able to hold it up there I had to take a nail and drive it into the wall for it to hold itself up there. But God holds the earth into place. God holds the sun into place. God holds uh, gravity into place all by his very word. What an amazing, powerful God we serve. 2 Peter chapter 3. We'll get to more of this text in a little while. Because it's obviously referring to the end of all things pertaining to this world. But in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, the Bible says that the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store. Maybe you have a food pantry at your house. Maybe you don't. I don't know. People do different things today. Maybe you have enough food in your basement that you can just feed for two or three years. God bless you if you can. Um, My refrigerator is full enough for just a couple days, and then I go to the store. But if you could just imagine, we we have a food pantry, and we stockpile groceries and canned food items and non-perishable other things so that we could prepare for a rainy day. God has stored everything about this world, not with his hands, but his very word. So if if Jesus isn't holding everything together, who or what is? If Jesus didn't create the world, who or what did? I don't know about you, but I believe by faith God spoke the universe into existence. But may I share with you a third thought as I've been meditating in verse 3? We think about the next chronological event about this world and history. Is Yes, he spoke it into existence. Yes, he holds it all into place. But then thirdly, I believe by faith, Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. I believe by faith, just like I believe creation is by faith. 
Just like how Abel and, and Enoch and, and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and all the rest of the list in Hebrews chapter 11, they all believe this by faith. I believe also that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. You see, there was a moment in history when God stepped into flesh, clothed himself with, with a similar nature like you and me, just without sin. He was fully God, fully man, all in the same. And there that could only be done because of, the sacrifice could only be done through the means in which the God-man would arrive. And we know the prophets predicted this, and, and you know this, you, you know the story about the gospel. But in John chapter 4 and verse 42, and in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 14, the Bible literally says that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Now let me pause right here and just say this. This does not mean universalism. This does not mean that everybody's going to all go to heaven and we're all going to be happy and sing kubaya by the eternal fire at the throne of God. It's not what it means. It means that this world, the inhabitants of this world, and the creation has a Savior found in Jesus Christ. And he did. He, he came to save us from our sins. Remember what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15? He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He came to save people like you and me. Have you ever tried to shoot a bow and an arrow? I'm probably going to mess this up so my dad will have to correct me later. But the recurve is the one without, without, without the, uh, all the gadgets, right? Yeah, so the recurve. So, so there I am in, in my parents' backyard many, many moons ago pull back this recurve and me and my scrawny self at 15 you know wasn't very strong and I couldn't pull it back all the way and so when I shot the arrow I missed the target but that's how we are in our life with God God set this perfect moral standard that's only found in Jesus and 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 and, and I'm like that arrow I missed the entire target much less the bullseye and so through the grace and mercy of God Jesus steps into humanity and this grace, as Titus chapter 2 says, has appeared to all mankind. And he is the savior of the world. In fact, the Bible says that Brother Joel read in Sunday school that he is their great God and savior, emphasizing that, that Jesus was fully divine in flesh and only God could make that kind of sacrifice. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Has he found you? Have you been found by the grace of God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world? Or are you going to be like those mice, trying to explain everything without the concept of Jesus Christ and God? Now, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, today's the day of salvation. You need to cry out to him. Because one day, the next event is going to take place on this world. As I was meditating here in this idea of creation and origins, I was instantly reminded that, yes, we look back to the very beginning, but we also look to the future of things to come. And one of these days, the forethought today is simply this, I believe by faith, Jesus Christ is the destroyer of this world. He's going to. He's going to destroy this world. See, you have to understand this. So many times we think about the fall only plays effect in our own sinful nature. How we are fallen, Adamic creatures, and, and we need to be reconciled to God. And yes, that is true. But the aspect of the fallenness of humanity is, is beyond just humanity. Everything in this creation is fallen now. And because of that, one day it will be destroyed. Right now, it's underneath the supervision and, and underneath this idea of, of a supervisor called Satan. 
And in Matthew chapter 24, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount of Olives, he literally says that, hey, heaven and earth is gonna pass away, but all these things that are written about in the prophets aforetime will come to pass. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, talk about global warming. I don't know where you lean on global warming. I just know it was pretty cold on Christmas Day. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it was cold. But in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 10, the Bible literally speaks about how in the last days, the days preceding the second coming of Christ, there will be people scoffing at the second coming. They will be. They'll be scoffing Jesus. They'll be scoffing scripture. They'll be mocking everything about the word of God and about Jesus being the only way to heaven. But, but, but he says here that the elements shall melt with fervent heat. That's global warming. Now listen, I, I'm not here to say you should or should not use your hairspray or, or, you know, I'm not here to say you need to go buy an electric car. I'm not here to say that we need to save all the whales. I think we should take care of the planet, okay? But what I'm here to tell you is this, that when God gets done with this world, it will make us look real good. Because everything in this world is going to burn up. Everything. And in Revelation chapter 19, in Revelation chapter 19, this is a powerful section of scripture. In that passage, it says, remember right here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says God spoke the world into existence. And in all these other parallel passages that have been on the screen behind me and I've been sharing with you, it speaks about how God spoke everything into existence. Well, when the Antichrist and his army is there standing before Christ, God the Son will destroy the inhabitants of the earth who are unrepentant and who reject Christ. He will do it all by the same power that he spoke the world into existence by the very word of his mouth. Powerful God, powerful son, omnipotent Christ. So, I don't know when Jesus is gonna return. I'm not here to try to put a date on it. But I know one of these days, I believe by faith, he's gonna split that eastern sky. And if you don't know Jesus, you better get to know him now. Because after he defeats the Antichrist and the, the army and all those who are shaking their fist in front of the face of God, he will then proceed to destroy the world and create a new heaven and a new earth. And they reign for 1,000 years. And then in his own providential ways, Satan will be, will be bound for those thousand years, but for his own ways, he will allow Satan to be loose for a very short time. And what that will show to us is the total depraved heart of man. How man will there be allowing Christ to be reigning supreme as king on the earth, but then for just a little while, they'll be swayed to run away from Christ. And then Christ will sentence them to eternity by his judgment. For all eternity, if you don't know Christ, you'll experience his destruction. You'll experience his wrath. You'll experience his righteous indignation. Because Christ has done everything within his power for sinners like you and me to come to faith in him. And finally, the fifth and final thought today is this. I believe by faith that Jesus Christ is not just the destroyer, not just the savior, not just the sustainer, not just the creator of the world, but fifthly and finally, I believe by faith Jesus Christ is the redeemer of the world. He's our redeemer. 
You could read the book of Colossians. You could read the book of Titus. And it speaks about how he's going to redeem us. And, and in a sense, we've already been redeemed. We have. We've been redeemed positionally, if you will. So that our standing in Christ is, is him alone. And by faith in him, we know that we will spend eternity with God in heaven. But there will come a day when, when we will be fully redeemed with all creation. With everything. And the fallenness, Satan's power, Satan's plagues, his army of demons will no longer plague this world. It'll be fully redeemed. Christ will take the title needed back to the, in his hand of this earth and he will declare that this is my world and this is my father's world and he will fully reign in the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. Now I don't fully understand all that's going on in Revelation 21 and 22 but what I do know is this is that one day God will wipe away the sorrows of this world. God will wipe away the pains and the diseases and the death and the tribulations and the troubles and the trials that we face and one day we will spend if it is like total utopia with God in paradise. And I'm looking forward to that day. You know, throughout history, we've seen a lot of different people come on the scenes who are just very brilliant people. And today, I remind you that half the time I don't even agree with myself, so I'm not going to sit here and say I agree with everything this person said and done. But one of the reformers really caught my eye as I was reading his commentary on the book of, of Hebrews. And you may like him, you may not like him. The reality is, is it's okay. But before we judge somebody, we need to listen to them and study their life and read their books and read their sermons before we make declarations about them because sometimes we might have been fed false information. But John Calvin was the theologian of the Reformation. God supernaturally used him to write commentaries on nearly every book of the Bible, including Hebrews, and I was struck. Listen, I was shook, as they say, when I read this statement. The world was no doubt made that it might be the theater of the divine glory. That's powerful. God created this world, created this universe, so that his magnificent glory could be on display. And that's on display through you. He created you and made you in his own image. It's on display through me, through all of us. It's on display through creation, like, like the trees out there, the mountains, everything. It, it points us to the sovereign creator of the universe to give him glory. So I wonder today, do you have faith that God created the world? Or do you lack this faith? Because this is the foundational aspect of faith when it comes to understanding this hall of faith. I believe by faith God spoke the universe into existence. What's up guys? Brian here again. Just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. You can check out this full message at PastorBrianRalph.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Keep the Faith is a ministry of Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. If you're free one Sunday or Wednesday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Until next time, God bless. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. Keep